Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and Whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? The following episode was pre-recorded. So Derek could remove the body parts and keep them for himself. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Welcome back to another Thunder God horrific uh Double Dragon Tastic. Double Dragon Tastic. Captain in horrific episode. Podcasticus. Podcasticus. Of Atari fans <laughs> of fan holes comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I will be one of your host to kisses tonight, but I am not alone. Joining me are my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who is on the call tonight? He jumps, he flies, he blips bad guys. It's me, Mike. Hey, this is Justin. Okay, let's... I want everyone to get all the joke kisses out of their system right now, because I'm not dealing with this shit all night, okay? Like, go ahead, take five minutes, get them out of your system, kisses. You insist a cuss. This is bullshit a cuss. Hi, this is Tony. Or you can also call me by my well-known supervillain name, Exoskeleton. Dun dun dun. Uh, yeah. Because. So 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 this is a this is a sequel to our fighting video game podcast, and and this time we went a little broader. We just decided to do a comics-focused episode on video game comics, and we each brought a comic that is ostensibly based on a video game of course i'm the the crusty old man so i have the oldest one of the bunch and then all the other guys brought their own individual comics so i'll get into it and tell you what i brought and then we can you know all discuss each issue one by one but i brought and this was a this well i brought atari force issue number one this was a dc promo book it was Technically released March 31st, 1982. There's no real price because this was included with the Atari 2600 Defender game. 
And the title of the story is Intruder Alert. The editor is Dick Giordano. The writer is Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. The penciler is Ross Andrew. Inker is Dick Giordano and Mike DiCarlo. Letterer, John Costanza. And colorist is Adrian Roy. I should have probably just stolen the entire synopsis from the DC Wiki, but I didn't realize they broke it into three chapters, so I wrote my own for the last two, but it's not too long. The year is 2005. A agent named Lee San O'Rourke sneaks into the Atari Institute headquarters in North California. She manages to bypass the ultra-frequency force fields and infiltrates security base station sublevel 7, a.k.a. The Pit. She makes her way towards a top-secret research program known as Project Multiverse. Meanwhile, Commander Martin Champion and his construction team perform exterior repair jobs on the Atari Solar Satellite Station 1. But one of the satellite panels breaks away due to a misfiring jetpack, and Champion flies over with his jetpack to deflect the runaway panel with his own body. Afterwards, he consults with his colleague, Dr. Lucas Orion, in sickbay. Moments later, Atari Assistant Director Lydia Perez contacts them and instructs them to report to the Institute for a crash course on Project Multiverse. As Perez is all business and even somewhat cold, Champion tells Orion of their first hair-raising encounter in outer space in 1998. That's where I pick up all the chicks. Outer space, that's why I like it so much. A meteor attack destroyed man's first moon colonies, and Champion was sent to get the survivors from NASA the oxygen they'd need to survive the attack. Between Champion's piloting skills and Perez's jury rigging of a solar panel platform with oxygen tanks and jet rockets, they were able to save the colonists until the rescue ship arrived. Once the two arrive on Earth, Perez briefs them that Project Multiverse may be the world's only way to recover from the food shortage from the Five-Day War, which apparently broke up California between the North and South. During the Jeep ride to the Atari Institute headquarters, Dr. Lucas Orion flashes back to his time as a United Nations medic during, quote-unquote, the breakup, which were the six years of chaos that followed the Five-Day War. After saving a civilian child, he finds being a member of the United Nation Medical Corps distasteful and takes up the Atari Institute's offer to be their director of medical research. As the trio arrive at the Atari headquarters, Perez gives them the hint that Project Multiverse involves alternate realities. Lisan O'Rourke piggybacks into the headquarters when the three enter through the security gate. To be continued! I picked this, and I guess if, if anyone is interested, if you actually just read the second issue, th this will sort of give you the full story on the, I guess, OG Atari Force, if you're interested. But this is just the first issue. I didn't want to make anybody read more than the first issue. The first issue was the only one I had because I had the Defenders cartridge for the Atari 2600. The Defender sees lots of alien ships. The Defender sees lots of radar blips. Every blip is a ship. Watch this, I got this guy. On a body snatching trip. And it's up to Defender to save them. Defender, a great Atari game. Have you played Defender? It's the newest of the smash hit home video games that just keep coming. Only from Atari. Is he better than me? Have you played Atari today? 
the comic was kind of like a digest. It was like a five by seven comic, which is, you know, I don't know. It's kind of more like a mini comic than a digest, but it, it's packed inside the Defender's Atari cartridge. And like I said, I owned an Atari 2600. If I recall correctly, I got an Atari 2600 for my birthday. And I think I was trying to, I'm, I, I forget the exact details, but I was trying to figure out what I was going to get for my birthday. And then I think my uncle just said, oh, yeah, they just got you some painted rocks. And I went, okay. Like, and I was trying to be like grateful about it, but I was like really confused. Like, why did, why did my dad get me painted rocks or whatever? And he was trying to keep the secret, you know, and they had worked it all out that it was going to be funny. And so I expected to get a bag of painted rocks. And then my dad like busted through the garage door and it was like, Atari. And everybody's like, yay. And it was all super happy and stuff. But that's how I got an Atari 2600. And in my loosest of loose definitions, I guess technically, even though I don't, I, I didn't track this down. I didn't reacquire it, but I guess in the loosest of definitions, this is a spinner rack comic for me. And I totally didn't plan this, but it did come out in 1982. So it is the 40th anniversary of Atari Force. Um, yeah, so so this also happens to be an anniversary tie-in. I was like five when this came out. So, I mean, like, I don't even remember understanding this comic book. Like, like I, I don't think I understood it conceptually. I don't think I understood the content. Like, like I, I was five. I, I think I... I looked at it and kind of went, okay, there are these guys and they've got like the Atari emblem on their, you know, like leotard costumes. And I was just kind of like, what does this have to do with this video game console I bought? And I think I probably like flipped through it and just didn't, you know, I, I don't think I was ever like, oh boy, I got to collect them all. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think the idea was supposed to be like, we were supposed to go and get like all the other games and collect all the comics and read the entire story which is not i don't even think it would would have been up to me do you know what i mean like i think i think defender was probably a game i got as a gift after i had the atari 2600 for like a birthday or christmas or something like that and i i don't even know if it would have been up to me to to, to like track down all the other comics in the games i think it was more about the game than than these pack-in comics. The pack-in comic was almost like a, a disposable extra, like, which I have distinct memories of, especially the cover, but I don't, you know, really remember the contents of the story or whatever. So, I mean, I guess as a kid, I was never intrigued enough to to track down the rest of this. I know, like, say, like, like the Fire and Water podcast, they covered the volume two of Atari Force, number one, on their Conway's Corner segment in 2019. And I think that was the first time I ever read Atari Force Volume 2 because I read it, you know, and, and then listened to the podcast. But, like, as an adult, like, the concepts are a little more intriguing to me. But, again, it's, like, it's kind of strange unless you keep reading the comics. Like, to me, it's, like, a weird connection. It's like It's, like, if you made a superhero team called the Xbox Men or, like, the PlayStation Legion of Superheroes or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, why, what does the X, like, you know, what does Atari have to, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they kind of, it's like, it's like, I guess, are you supposed to imagine in this universe, like Atari was not only a video game company, but became like more important than NASA. Like, like, I guess, like, I guess that's part of it. And, and, and because the first two issues are like the origin 
you you don't really get the tie-in that you maybe should be getting because issue two concludes like the 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 assemblage of the entire Atari Force team. Spoilers: Lisan O'Rourke is like half Chinese and half Irish, and she's actually the director of security at Atari. So she's busting into Atari to prove that they have shitty security because she's the new director of security. But then she joins the Atari Force and goes to fuck off in the multiverse with them. So I don't know how they ever get better security other than being made to look like a bunch of morons, but that is is one of the additional members of the team. And then there's uh, an Indian gentleman who joins as well. So like you you basically in, in those issues, you get their back. You know how like in this first issue, you kind of get the backstory of Martin Champion and Lydia Perez. And then you get the backstory of, of Dr. Orion. Then then in the subsequent issue, you get the backstory of the other two members of Atari Force. It makes a little more sense if you read there's there were there were five comics that were included in various games. So this was included with Defenders. I forget what issue two was included with, but it doesn't really matter because those two issues, I think, didn't have anything to do with the games that they were included with. But issue three was included with the Atari game Star Raiders. And the third issue featured the Star Raiders in the issue. And if you've seen any of the DC graphic novels, like kind of like the Marvel graphic novels, it's probably not as good as the death of Captain Marvel, but the first DC graphic novel was called Star Raiders. And it was also a tie-in to the Atari game Star Raiders. And this Blarp-like creature that I have in my avatar, his name is Hookah. And Hookah is in like this third issue of Atari Force. And Hookah is like a race and a person. Like, so they're kind of like Pokemon. They All they do is they say Hookah, Hookah, Hookah. And that creature is in the the Star Raiders graphic novel, too. So it sort of ties like I, they were trying to make like some kind of, you know, I don't know, Atari universe or series of Atari comics or whatever. But I don't think all of those quite worked out. But there was a, a Phoenix video game and issue four featured a ship called the Phoenix and then issue five came with a video game called Galaxian. And I guess that just has the team actually succeed in their mission. So they search the galaxy, I guess, and find a new home. So there's 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 kind of like very tenuous tie-ins, like as you keep reading those mini comics. The book, I mean, I don't know about the mini comics, but what, the other thing I was going to share with you guys is that at least the volume two that's done by Jerry Conway and was originally drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez was considered at least for Amazing Heroes. Like I usually always point to this ad, but there's an ad in Amazing, or I guess it was it was published in Amazing Heroes, but like DC like ran with this ad and it would always be published in their comics because they just wanted to tout that they had like four of the quote unquote best books of 1984. So it was like Swamp Thing and Teen Titans. That's why I'm always like, dude, you guys don't understand. Like Teen Titans was like just as popular as X-Men like way back in the day. And, and then uh, the, the other thing I wanted to point out was uh, they've got Blue Devil and they've got Atari Force. So at the time, at least, 
the the volume two of Atari Force was touted as this you know best book of of 1984. And then I'm I'm kind of amused that I haven't seen a post from John Samino on the Roy Thomas Facebook appreciation page that like touts that he's the co-creator of Atari Force because I think that'd be kind of funny. But I guess maybe if Atari Force like gets a movie or something like that, we'll see some kind of post like that. I I don't know that I have a big nostalgia for this other than you know I. I, I had that one mini comic or whatever, but th- th- when 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 Justin mentioned that he wanted to do a video game comic thing, this was one of the first things I thought of because I was like, well, I, I owned this when I was a kid, and I know it's not related to any one particular video game, and it's related to an entire video game system, but I guess you know there 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 are certain video games that it eventually you know specifically relates to you know like Star Raiders and stuff like that, so. I, I kind of brought that. I figured it wasn't too horrible. It was the, you know, I guess technically it's the first part of a two-part story that tells the whole origin of them. And I guess I'll open it up to you guys because I'm, I'm assuming nobody's read this before, right? I don't I don't know about this specific issue, but I do remember the mini comics being packed in with games. And my, I, I remember my friend had one, and I, I know I kind of flipped through it. But this was also, like I said, I was like maybe eight, eight at the oldest. Right, right, right. And yeah, so it didn't resonate, but I, I was aware of the Atari Force. But no, I had not, I had not read. And like you said, you know, even you didn't comprehend it, uh, you know, as an adult. So yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I was. Well, yeah, I, there's a lot of heady concepts in here. Like, like there's, I mean, they subtly kind of tell you that there's, there's been a, it's what sounds like a civil war, you know, and like. It, to, to me, like, I guess when, when I was looking at it now, I was thinking, because, because I mean, they, her name is O'Rourke. So, like, I, I almost made the insinuation, like, is this supposed to be, like, some future version of, like, you know, Northern Ireland? You know what I mean? Like, the whole, you know, thing there. Like, is it supposed to be, like, a, a futuristic version of that conflict? And then, and then, you know, but then they talk about they're in California and then I'm like, oh, so it's like North and South California and all, all this kind of stuff. So like, I, I don't know, for me, I feel like there, there are a lot of heady and, and I mean, and then the concept of the multiverse, I mean, I know it's like common hat now there's, you know, Spider-Man, you know, enter the fucking multiverse. And, you know, there's been like a, a billion crises, you know, since then, but this was, this was 1982, like crisis on infinite earths hadn't even come out yet. You know, so it's like there, there's a lot of stuff in this that's, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, like like maybe, you know, heady concepts that were a, a little before their time or something. Well, I, I think the thing with this this series in, in general as a whole, this and the sequel series or, or whatever, the uh, the ongoing DC comic, you take something like Halo or you take something like, you know, God of War, any any of these games because of technology advancements and all that stuff. They have stories, you know, they have like, you know, real characters. Now, look at Defender. You're a dude in a spaceship and you're just blasting yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess they it, to do a comic, they had to they had to make up a story, basically. And just like, you know, but slap some names on there so people, you know, will buy Atari stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I I don't think I have a huge amount to say just because I don't I don't I, I guess I'm not old enough because I, I never had an Atari or anything. So I did I did not see the like direct connection to like 
the many of the games I, at all. I, I so. think I think honestly, in this issue, there is no direct connection. So you're not, I mean, you're not out of the loop. There just isn't one because they they made up their own story for the first two issues. So I, I don't know that it has anything to do other than the you know they have a they have an institute named after the the system, you know. And then I think like later they're like the computer is called like the Atari 8000. And it's like, oh, so they were they were selling the 2600 video game. But then it was going to be a giant like supercomputer that helped the world in the future. Like or some shit. Like I was like, OK. Has disk drives, Derek. Disk drives. <laughs> what, what about you, Justin? Is there you have any any comments on this? Or did you ever play an Atari or have an Atari like that? Anything on this at all? I had an Atari. Okay. As far as the comics go, I didn't know about these digests. Like I knew there was a, you know, a regular mm-hmm. floppy monthly mm-hmm. booth. So that's what I thought you were going to have this read. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is, this looks completely different. Cause I, I kind of remember what the cover of the regular month right, looks like. Right, right. But yeah, this is really interesting. I like the artwork. I, I kind of feel like if we ever go to like Heroes Con again, I, I want to cosplay as like the guys in those control rooms. Where oh. they've got like you know the red jumpsuit and like the yeah, yeah. the white piping and stuff and the the Atari hat I'm like that's kind of cool but um, yeah. there there are a lot of interesting concepts in this and like I can I can kind of see where you know uh, little Derek would look at this and be like uh, I don't really know what's going on there's a lot yeah. of like yeah. weird stuff in here I'm just gonna play my Atari and I'll look at this later yeah that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I um I, I think it's interesting. Like I guess spoilers, but uh, it's like the 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 series that Justin's talking about, like mainly features the the son of Martin Champion and and Lydia. So and then he's called Tempest in that, but he's Christopher Champion. So I guess he has powers or whatever, and they they have their own you know team or whatever. I I, I think that book's a little more. I, I mean, I guess if I was going to compare it to anything for people to get an idea of, you know, it's a, it's a bit more Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, they're 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 in a new dimension or new multiverse or new whatever verse, but but they've Christian some planet New Earth, and there's humans and there's aliens and there's all kinds of adventures that they can go have and that kind of thing, and and you know, and then of course the. The, the art, at least for the first, I don't know, I want to say like dozen issues or so, is really, really wonderful. So, like, if the, like, after credit sequence of Black Adam is, like, Mr. Terrific walking up to this building and the camera pans back and it's, like, <laughs> a building in the shape of the Atari logo, are you going to be like, oh, my God, I can't wait for, you know, I mean, I would, I would Atari Force. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. I, I I feel like I feel like that wouldn't happen. Like, who owns Atari? Like, uh, I don't even know. Maybe maybe Activision. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I I feel like I feel like they're I I feel like Atari Force is destined to be like you know the Doc Sampson issues in like omnibus reprints where like they they you know Black Adam walks up to the building and it's like look it's the building great to see the building you know like where you can't like say it or some shit or like poor rom you know in the in the 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 marvel books or whatever where it's like it's like we had a really great hero he was a hell of a guy we just can't say his name you know like that kind of shit so 
Right. He's a Galadorian. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a hell of a Galadorian. Hell of a Galadorian. <laughs> the best of us all, whatever the hell his name was. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch them. Fire and Water Podcast, celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available weekly on Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Van, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? Bad enough, I have to put up with your shenanigans every week, but... Well, if, if that's all we, we have on Atari Force, why don't we move on to the next book, which is something that Mike brought for us to discuss. So, Mike, why don't you tell us what issue you brought and, and let us know what it's all about. I brought issue two of Captain N, the Game Master. You might recall is a based on the cartoon that aired 1993, I believe, or 94. I forgot. It was a sort of a team up show of a lot of like Nintendo properties and some other properties that Nintendo had like, you know, games like produced on like, you know, Mega Man and Simon Belmont weren't exactly actual Nintendo properties, but they did have games on Nintendo. So they appeared on the cartoon. They did not appear in this comic, though. And uh, but Samus did appear and Samus is like a Nintendo character. So but uh, yeah, he had it, it was a five issue mini series produced by Valiant. I I had the second issue. It had a nice glossy cover. That's mostly what I remember about it. Like, but I, I reread it this week. I, I just remember the whole cover of like Kevin, you know, Captain N, like bashing Mother Brain's like jar with the the scepter he had from the princess. This issue actually had, like, I think all of them do, but like it has like two like twelve, page, ten or twelve page stories, and then two like shorter like one or two page stories which are more like comedy uh, oriented i mean the first story the princess is kidnapped to what mother brain calls like the happy zone and like it, it like kevin like is presented with a problem like should he follow her or like you know should he defend the the kingdom the video game nintendo kingdom against mother brain's hordes and he decides to do that because that's what the princess would want and then, like, you know, they rampage through the horde and then they almost kill Mother Brain. And then she's like, no, 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 I'll get the princess for you. And then, yeah, then they suck face for a little while. And Samus looks all jealous off to the side, tapping her foot. Yeah, so there's, like, two short stories. Like, one is, like, the do's and don'ts of villainy. Eggplant Wizard and what's his name? Uranos doing, like, the do's and don'ts of villainy, like, which is kind of funny. Then there's another one about Mother Brain getting, like, a facial, like, machine or something that looks like a torture device, and that one's kind of funny, too, even though it's, like, just one gag. 
And then the second story is called Just a Dog, and it's about Captain N's, like, dog sidekick. Kid Icarus is doubts. The dog's name is Duke, and he, like, Kid Icarus doubts Duke's usefulness. But when they're captured by Eggplant Wizard, it's like Duke, like, sneezes, and then, like, it turns out all of Eggplant Wizard's men are cat people, so they're all scared of the dog, so they all run away, and then stupid Kid Icarus is like, oh, I guess he's useful, a cuss, like, at the end, and yeah, so that that that's what this issue, uh, com, uh, what do you call, comprises. There there are credits, but they're not, like, all specific or anything. It's like, uh, like it just says, like, you know, the, the ha- for example, the Happy Zone, it says, like, by, without, like, saying who did what, by uh, Georgia Caragone, Don Hudson, Jose Marzan, Ken Lopez, John uh, Selva Berlero, and the uh, Gradations. I don't know. And then, like, you know, v- various other people. Uh, Bob Layton is credited for one of uh, the one of the stories. Uh, and then, you know, other people. It doesn't say who did what, but, I mean, you can, if you look up who these people are, you can probably determine who did what, but. But uh, yeah, like I mean, I, I I like rereading this this week. I I kind of remembered it. Like I remembered the two stories in it. I think the first one with the happy zone was kind of I I don't know. It, I remember it felt more mature than the TV show at the time. Like it was a little. It felt like it had real stakes. Like you know, the princess might be gone forever, and Kevin has to you know make that decision to like either go after her or defend the kingdom and. Yeah, and like I, I always took note that you know Samus was like this like Amazon woman kind of in the comics that you know kind of wanted Kevin too, but like she was always like competing with the princess. And then like yeah, like I, I mean like I, I own I, I forgot who bought this issue for me, but I, I did own it, and like reading it again this week was kind of a nostalgia trip for me. So like yeah, but uh, I don't know. Have you any of you guys read this series at all? Yes. My cousin had a lot of these Nintendo comics. He had he had actually this very issue. So I, as soon as I saw, saw the cover of this, I was like, oh, I remember that. And he also had a lot of the Mario comics too. And I remember reading those. Kind of going back to Samus, I remember like that game was kind of a pain in the ass. I mean, I know it's like a classic and everything, but I just kind of like have frustrating memories of playing it. But anyway, I remember like, it was always like a rumor for a while that Samus was actually a girl. And I didn't believe that until I like saw her in this comic and she had her helmet off. And I was like, oh, she is a girl. And she like kind of wants Kevin, even though he's already got the princess. Okay, well, I guess I was wrong about that. Samus is a girl. I had a lot of fun revisiting this because I probably hadn't read it in, I don't know, 30 years at least. So, I mean, it's... It's fun and it's simple, and I kind of, you know, chuckled at some of the little short comic strips in here that just kind of, you know, take up time, like the do's and the don'ts. You know, those are they're kind of charming in a, in their own way. But, but yeah, like I read a lot of these, you know, back in the day when they were coming out, and I had fun revisiting this. I, I think the funny thing uh, when I was reading this, and I've never read it before. I, I have I, I was aware of it when I was younger, but I just never picked up a copy used to go to the comic book store and it would just be there. And it just, I was at the age where I thought I was too old for this. I don't need to read baby comic books or whatever. I was stupid. I was still playing with toys. Like I expect this to be very, very like, you know, 
goofy like the the cartoon was, and a lot of it was. There's a lot of stuff in here that was really goofy. But really, the first story got a little dark, just a little bit, because like you know, like Kevin thinks that the princess is uh, like Lana. She's she's going to be gone forever, and like he gave up his love to like protect the kingdom. And he's about to straight up murder that bitch, Mother Brain. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> calm down, man. <laughs> it's like it's a kid show. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it was a, a little dark. Uh, they totally just fucking flipped the script and everybody's like, yeah, everybody's happy in the end. Who cares? You know? Except for Samus, who's like, you know, a little little jealous, as Mike pointed out. But yeah, that just kind of took me by surprise. Samus being in there was a surprise too, because in the show, there was other characters like Mega Man and Simon Belmont and stuff like that. It was more of a big bunch of characters from different games, from different companies. But like Mario never showed up. And it's kind of funny that like he didn't show up in this book either. I don't, I don't, it's this issue anyway. I don't know if he shows up later. Like it was just weird seeing Samus there because I was like, she wasn't in the cartoon. And I'm like, but you know, whatever. It's cool. Yeah, as far as, like, in general, a light read, though, yeah, this was pretty light, and, you know, I, I kind of like the format of, like, you know, maybe two big stories and a couple of, you know, wah-wah joke stories. I mean, that was fun. Continuing my nefarious plan to make you all read more Valiant comic books. Oh, wait, I've never read this before. I, I don't think I read <laughs> very many of the, I mean, I, I think I think out of, you know, morbid curiosity, I've perused some of the, the wrestling comics that Valiant has released but i don't think i read many of the video game comics the the tv series ran from 1989 to 1991 and then this came out in 1990 and i i think mike had kind of prepped us that that samus you know was was in this and there was some kind of like love triangle between captain n and lana and and samus and everything so i sort of went in expecting that and i wasn't disappointed because that's I, I think this first story is the one I like the most, you know, that that kind of, uh, I don't know, moral dilemma that that Kevin had to face or whatever. I thought that was, you know, I, I guess, as Tony says, it was a bit heavy. I thought it was kind of interesting. It was something to to chew on a bit. I was kind of getting Operation Galactic Storm flashbacks when Kevin was going to smash open Mother Brain like he was doing a Black Knight about to stab him with his, you know, Electro Sword or whatever. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I know uh, this reference might be lost on most of you, but I, especially that panel where Samus and and Kevin go out with the princess's staff to go fight all the hordes, like, that reminds me of Unity, like, the Valiant crossover Unity, like, because, I, I don't know, the way, it, it, it's not... Like usually in Unity, they're they're dealing with you know a bunch of different time frames and everything. So a lot of times you'll often cut back to like either the same moments in the battle or like constant different battles at different points in the the you know the vast amount of time that that crossover takes in the Lost Land. And it just kind of reminded me of of that. Like there there are panels with like Rye, like you know just you know, obliterating, like, you know, robs with his sword or whatever. And I kind of thought, like, oh, this is kind of like that. Like, like Kevin's just going to town on all these guys, and, and then Samus is backing them up and stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I, I, did, I did really enjoy that first story. You know, I don't have too much to say about the kind of joke, you know, one-pagers or whatever. The second story was fine, but, I mean, I think that's leaning towards what, 
maybe Tony was expecting. Like, I think that one's a little more goofy because, you know, I mean, you know, we, we, we've already sort of covered this, but I mean, Kid Icarus on that cartoon was annoying as fuck. And, and, and obviously that, that characterization is continued in this, you know? So it's like, it's, you know, that story I think is, is kind of more of what I expect. But I mean, I guess, I guess there is a, a, a sweetness about it, like that the dog's sick, but he can still, you know, help out because it's the army of freaking cats or whatever's going on there. Like that, that he's still, you know, uh, uh, you know, contributing something useful to the the team or or what have you. I mean, I guess I get I don't know. Like to to me, Captain N, the game master, is kind of like like I don't know the League of Extraordinary Nintendo characters or some shit. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's kind of what I always thought of it as. I I did I did watch the cartoon pretty religiously. I mean, I'm trying to think that as far as my video game experience, like I I was one of the people that did play through Metroid the whole way through and used like probably like guidebooks and 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 stuff like that to help me finish it. So that was that was something I was extremely focused on, but I could understand Justin's point of view like if I didn't I guess if I didn't have that motivation or maybe those Nintendo power books to help me out, you know, to figure out, oh, you know, you got to turn into a ball here and 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 place the bomb here and then roll away there and then place another bomb and then roll away and then drop through the hole and, you know, do the whole nine yards like, you know, make sure you get the fucking freeze gun and freeze mother brain. And then after you freeze her, then start shooting the fucking rockets like crazy. And then, you know, go hide and freeze her again and rinse, repeat, you know, that whole that whole kind of methodology that you you needed to 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 win the game and and, and see her take off the, the helmet at the end and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean. And I guess maybe Metroid has that added thing of like, in some ways, like I feel like it, it it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, Nintendo's own version of Aliens. You know, that's why Samus is a girl, because it's the whole Ripley factor, because, you know, it's in outer space, technically. Like, I think that, you know, that that character speaks to me a lot more, you know, in terms of why I was so motivated to play that game and, and I enjoyed it the most. I don't think, you know, some of the other characters I was as big on, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that I can tell you I played through Kid Icarus or played through uh, Castlevania or, or, you know, whatever other characters that, that Kevin was, was teaming up with here, you know, but I I don't know. I, I, I did find it interesting though, that, you know, it, it, it seemed like almost this magical land where like, he's even, you know, I guess like, you know, the, the the characters from Punch-Out, you know, are part of the, the Mother Brain's villain crew in the cartoon. But I guess, I don't know, it, it seemed interesting to me, like in that opening splash, that like he's, it looks like he's punching out like uh, the, uh, I don't know, uh, the, one of the lesser Tyson Punch-Out, I don't know, you know, it was just it was just interesting to me that there were all these extra characters that I, I probably sometimes it's hard for me to recognize the the cartoony version of a character versus their I guess sprite version or whatever. So sometimes I think certain characters get lost for me in that where I I recognize them as cartoons, but maybe not as as their video game counterparts. But 
I mean, I thought for the most part this was this was pretty enjoyable. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Okay, well, if we we don't have anything else to say about Captain N, the Game Master, we can move on to the next title. And Tony brought a title that is also video game related. So I'll let Tony tell us what issue he brought, and then we can discuss it. Cool, thanks. I had kind of a problem in that some of the books I would have liked to talk about on video games, I we've already covered, and I wasn't really a big video game comic reader back then. So I was like, I'll just pick something random, but that I at least know the game. You know, I played the game. I know the game at least. So I picked Double Dragon. Double Dragon was released by Marvel. It has a July 1991 cover date, and it was written by Dwayne McDuffie and it was drawn by Brad Van Tent Vancata. I don't think that's what I'm Basically this is a uh, you know licensed comic like all these are to promote the Double Dragon video game. So we start off in Oligopolis City. The fuck? Where we find Marion, the female character, if you're familiar with the game, who gets punched in the fucking stomach at the beginning of the game and kidnapped with requisite panty shot as well. And she's being killed Batman 66 style by being trapped in a giant hourglass with sand pouring on her. And as she laments her situation, we get a flashback of how this came to be. So basically she's a hard-nosed detective and she was finding out about the Shadow Master's Nightfall, Nightfall, sorry, Shadow Master's cartoon, Nightfall criminal organization. And basically what she found was a quote-unquote little black book that detailed all the cops who were dirty and corrupt on the payroll. So she was going to use that to bust it wide open and reveal this, and, you know, everybody's going to be, like, you know, riding against these, these, this evil group. Because apparently this guy, Nightfall, has also made deals with various other crime bosses or bad guys to all be under one umbrella. And we'll get introduced to those, some of those later. We get introduced to one right now. His name is Superluminal. Uh, and his ability is he's really fast he's basically the flash he catches marion in the act and basically takes her hostage lo and behold there's a couple of kids in a hover car bike thing who are there the whole time i guess and they hightail it out of there to go warn our heroes little do they know that superluminal knew this and he's letting them go because he wants those Lee brothers. So they make it to the Dragon House where they bust in and of course have to get the attention of our stereotypically wizened old Asian Kung Fu master Sensei 
who basically spouting out as typical, like, you know, words of wisdom, they go and get the uh, Lee brothers. Billy and Jimmy Lee, or as I call them, Billy and Bimmy, because of angry video game nerd. They're practicing and like, you know, there's not really funny, but a ha ha ha, we're trying to practice and everything like that. But they got your girl. Oh fuck, let's go now. You know, like, you know, suddenly they're training the many things. In this comic, the uh, Lee brothers have mystical powers because, you know, the big-ass dragon statue they have in their dojo. Why not? They are imbued with the power of the double dragon, which basically means they, they can punch harder and, you know, kick harder and just just superhuman, like, you know, enhanced stuff, you know, basically Captain America kind of stuff. Kind of. So they decide they're going to go take off and, you know, go save the day. Basically run into a pretty average group of tough guys and you know they beat them up but then they're you know confronted by Ledger Domain and he's a mysterious guy he's really creepy and whatever when I, when I say whatever or what the fuck none of these characters I've named as far as the bad guys ever appear in the game he's got a replica of the hourglass that Marion's trapped in and he, like, at first is very cryptic. And he's like, okay, listen, she's in a big one of these. When this runs out, she dies, okay? But you go do this thing and you'll save her. And they're like, okay, we'll do the thing. They're trying to make it, like, mysterious and stuff, but it just kind of comes off really hokey. So they take off to a, a different reality or something, I don't know, a different part of the world, it looks like. It was nighttime a minute ago, and now it's daytime. They're on their little jet bikes. They can't get, get across this bridge to, to move further in the level. <laughs> they're on level four right now. And they have to fight another gang of guys, but these guys are color-coordinated in blue. They beat them all up, but lo and behold, there's the next level boss. And his name is Exoskeleton. And he's gold, and he's got, like, an exoskeleton. So, there you go. His basic power is he's really strong. He's got extra arms, extra robot arms on his exoskeleton. However, our, our good friend Bimmy, he's learned the power of punching rocks really hard. So he makes basically holes in the side of the cliff after he gets after they get thrown off the bridge to climb up with his brother. And good job. They quickly dispatch exoskeleton. A lot of these bosses get taken out pretty quick. But then they kind of start having a little tiff between each other because they both like Marion. And, you know, they're like, you know, like, we'll figure this out later. And then they get to the castle and they're like, you know what, let's just like, we'll just split up. We'll split up. And they do. And the whole time they're kind of whining and bitching and moaning. They got like, you know, sand in their vagina because like, you know, they, he, they're the whoever it is, they care about Marion more than the other guy. The other guy's a prick. So they make it through this little like kind of obstacle course. Then they run into a bunch of yeah, kind of basic ninjas, but they're really strong apparently. So they're taking the, the Lee brothers out, but then through the power of love or brotherhood or I don't know, the double dragon, they remember that like, you know, their sensei told them like they're only strong together. As long as they're the double dragon, you know, they can beat anything. And then they realize splitting up, that was, that was our big mistake. That's what they wanted. So they both put their hands on the side of the wall and it just so happens they're on each other side of the wall. They're like right next to each other. And they blow up the wall and proceed to kick the ass since they are together. 
They run in to find Marion trapped in the hourglass. They break it, releasing her. Marion gets her I'm no damsel in distress moment where she shoots Ninja, who's about to attack them from behind, breaking his sword so the boys can take care of him. But then it's revealed, oh wait, Marion was not even the real uh, part of this mission. She was not the real objective. She was bait because they knew the boys wanted to bone her, so they would come running. What actually is happening, the Nightfall evil villain has stolen the dragon statue, the source of their power. Now they have to go get it to be continued. So there's that. <laughs> I, I never read this as a kid, as I stated. And this was, this was a comic. I don't know if it was, <laughs> I don't know if this was a double dragon comic. They, they told something of a story. It's kind of a mess. There's a lot of characters who you've never heard of being introduced. It, it definitely screams cash grab. You know, it's like, you like Double Dragon Kids? Well, here's a whole comic about them. And fuck it. You'll read it, right? Kids are like, sure. <laughs> the art's really good. I'll give it that. It, it looks nice. But it really actually comes off more of like a superhero story with all these bad guys running around. Whereas in the game... Like the most like super villain-ish looking guy was a Bobo, and he was just a really big dude who was really strong. That was it. And now we got like Flash. We've got I don't know Mister fucking Clockmaker Timewise guy. I don't even know like Ledger Domain whatever the fuck that is. We got a Cyborg. You know like the only ones that even make kind of sense are the ninjas. Like that that would fit in a Double Dragon game. That makes sense. That's about it. If I would recommend this to anybody, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm honestly kind of amazed I got through that recap. So what do you guys think? I, I think that was a hell of a recap, especially because it has, like, nothing to do with the video games that we, that I'm, I'm sure you and I both grew up playing. I mean, when, when you talked about the opening where the dude punches Marion in the stomach, I was, like, getting flashbacks and going, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, it, you know, I mean, the, these guys were, like, you know, bad boys fighting on the streets you know what i mean it was a co-op two-player game and you just beat the shit out of guys and then when they they fell on the ground you used your controller to do the like stomp them move and shit right like that's you know you threw like molotov cocktails and, and knives and i forget whatever else but like you just you beat the shit out of people right whereas this is like you said it's all kind of captain planety and Power of the Heart and these character designs don't really look like the characters in the games. I think I think their hair colors are swapped. Like the the artist is Tom Rainey, and then Brad Vincata is the inker. I think so. I guess they're both the artists, but which I, you know, again, I agree with you. I think the art's really nice. I, I think Tom Rainey does a good job. You know, I think Dwayne McDuffie was just cashing a paycheck. You know what I mean? Like like I think he was he was not taking this like super seriously but i don't know maybe maybe he had a mandate you know i i have no idea but th this definitely did not have a whole hell of a lot to do with with the video game from my estimation yeah i thought it was funny that like, in this and in the cartoon it's like marion has to be like reinterpreted as a badass like police chick kind of like whereas she was just a damsel in distress in the video game yeah i mean i i like the art like i took notice that it was Dwayne mcduffie writing it and i do kind of agree with Derek that it, it seemed like he was just kind of farting this out to get paid or whatever like I mean Billy and Jimmy like you know their dialogue is pretty uh 
you can pretty much, you know, like, you know, one of them's the reckless, like, you know, hot-headed one, and the other one is the reserved formal one, and, like, you can just keep, you know, riffing back and forth between them, and, I mean, it writes itself, basically, so. It's like poetry. I, I know you had to have played Double Dragon, Justin. What did you think about those? I have played Double Dragon. Like, that was one of my go-to games that I would play with the cousin I mentioned that had all those Nintendo comics, so I'm... Very familiar with those first three games on the NES. And it baffles me that, like, the giant mini-boss of Bobo is not in this comic. Like, why make up all these, like, weirdo guys and robots and all this uh, bullshit when you've got, like, a giant, huge, hulking guy that, like, it takes two other players, like, I know, what feels like video game eternity, like, back in the late 80s, to beat? Why don't you have him in your comic? Like, that's, I don't know. I agree with you. This was definitely a comic that exists. <laughs> um, I agree with Derek. This was probably a paycheck for Dwayne McDuffie. I really like the art. That's probably the best thing I can say about this, is I really like the art. And I hope we never, ever revisit this again. <laughs> I, I I I had no incentive to continue reading. <laughs> so, agreed. Yeah, like, agreed. to be continued is like not in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> not not for me. <laughs> You're like that'll that'll do, pig. Well, the, the the funny thing is, what this reminds me of is one of the books I read when I was younger, what I did read, was Chuck Norris and his Karate Commandos. Mm. And that was heavily tied in with a very short-lived animated series. There was a toy line, too, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a toy line first, and then they got either comics or cartoon. I don't know which yeah, one yeah. was first. But so I was like, when I, when I first saw this, I was like, okay, the art's going to be better, obviously. I could tell by the cover. But I'm like, this will probably just be like the cartoon. Because they did make a Double Dragon cartoon. I was like, that's, that's what they're going to go with. It's just going to have the same. And, like, I saw the cartoon a few times. This had nothing to do with that either. Like, nothing at all. And it was just, like, it blew my mind. I'm like, you know, like Justin said, like, you know, this isn't Atari. Like, the, the, the book you had. Where the video games were just very minimalistic. You know, you just played them to play them. There was no real story. This was, like, 90s, early 90s, like Double Dragon had a story. It wasn't complex. It was like you said, it, it was street warfare. It was two guys, their girl gets taken, they go save the girl. But there's a story there. You could tell some stories there. Like Justice said, there's a big dude with lots of muscles, and like it takes two guys to, to even beat him down. Yeah, might, yeah, might, might, might you say he was a big dudicus? <laughs> he was. <laughs> All right, I'll allow that one. <laughs> it's a multi homage. Wow, uh, good. Yeah, I know, right? That hit on like multiple levels. Good job. But, um, but yeah, there's something they could have done with this. There's something they could have done with this that that was not this, basically. So I mean, yeah, where I mean, is this just like totally blindsiding everybody? Like, where did these designs come from? Like, why did who decided this? Like, you know, like, like it, it, you know, it'd be like, okay, we're going to make a comic book about Yoda and Chewbacca. And it's like, okay. And then, and then it turns out like, it's, it's like, 
you know, brainy Smurf and fucking, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, the Grimace from fucking McDonald's. And you're just like, well, wait, like, that, that <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with Yoda and Chewbacca. Like, what are you talking about? I I feel like this is one of those things that just doesn't work outside of its original incarnation. Like, hmm. live-action movie, comic, cartoon series, like, none of that stuff worked for me. I mean, I, I watched the cartoon series. I watched that crappy movie. I didn't really care for either of those. I just, it seems like this is one of those things that's like, it works as a video game, and it doesn't really work as anything else, because if you try to add or subtract or take away from it, it or give it like freaking robots or whatever. Like it just, it just doesn't work. It just falls apart. Yeah. It just, it becomes something totally different. It's not even what it was. There's just like, there was no point to call this double dragon. Like I said, you could have put anything on this title, you, you know, like, like I said, Ken and Ryu from street fighter. I mean, that's who these guys are more like than <laughs> the double dragon characters. Jimmy but, and um, Bimmy. Jimmy and Bimmy. <laughs> I, I will say this, at least. I guess my, my, my final thoughts, you guys can add anything else after this. It, it wasn't boring. I don't know what the fuck it was. I mean, I don't know. It was like, I don't know, watching a fucking elephant try to fuck a cat. You know, it was like, how is this even working? And Oh, it's not. That's why. It's not working at all. It's always funny to me that, like, on the TV show, at least, they had to give them, like, like real superpowers and transformations and shit, like, because they couldn't really make it any more, you know, and they, they, it was too basic. They could, they had to, like, you know, complicate it up a little more, make it more toyetic, I guess. Yeah, I feel like this is suffering from, like, Jonah Hex movie syndrome, where they're, like, it's just a guy in the old west. Like, let's let's have him talk to dead people. You know, it's like, wait, what? Like, what the fuck? It's like that these guys just run around bad chested and they beat the shit out of people who stole their girlfriend. No, fuck that. Give him a magic fucking dragon statue and fucking give him some crazy outfits and a sensei. You know, like we. It's like okay, whatever. We need an exoskeleton man and an and hourglass man and, like, all the men. We need them all. I, I will say I, I am surprised and kind of happy that with my track record of bringing stuff that I know is bad and, like, forcing, like, usually Derek to watch it or read it and putting him through torture, it's nice to know that even just picking something at random, I managed to pull out magical bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Magic random bullshit. I choose you. <laughs> awesome. All right. I, I think I think we've said our piece on on the uh, faux double dragon. Enter the not the double dragon. Hi, this is TJ Damon with Quad M Productions and co-host of the Quad M Show. 
The Quad M Show is a somewhat live and semi-weekly comedic podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Damon. I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Jason Vickers. I let all the air out of my tires so they don't go flat. And Jesse Barnett. I think I even accidentally listened to the show this last week. Bring you their takes on current pop culture and geek world news. Show features include the FGS Award, highlighting the pinnacle of human stupidity for this week. And Reddit Fun with Jason, where your hosts compare their opinions with the hive mind known as Reddit. Here, take a listen. My biggest problem with the movie industry as it sits now is that the trailers that they are putting out give everything away. Batman and Superman are going to duke it out. Then along comes a stronger foe. They're going to have to team up. Along comes Wonder Woman. So you've already ruined that surprise for everybody. <laughs> now we're going to have Gail Godot's Wonder Woman coming in to save the day. And when Wonder Woman and Superman are there, what's Batman got to do? <laughs> <laughs> you got this handle. I'm going to go work on my marriage with Jennifer Carter. <laughs> New episodes drop Mondays at 12 noon Eastern. Check us out at www.quadmproductions.com. So let's let's go on to the final comic of the evening. And this is something that the originator of the theme of, of this podcast selected. So, Justin, why don't you tell us what you brought tonight and then we can talk about it a little bit. I brought Mortal Kombat. Raiden and Kano, number one. It has a cover date of March 1995. Cover price of, oh my god, I can't believe I paid $2.95 for this piece of crap. What was I thinking? Holy shit. This was written by Charles Marshall, illustrated by Kiki Chansimone and Ed LaRoche. You know, this, uh, this is the second time I've brought a Mortal Kombat comic, and you'd have thought I'd learned my lesson the first time, but no, I, I didn't. So, here we go. In the Arctic Circle, Raiden. I, I don't know, he summons an evil sword or some shit. I don't know what's going on. He's like shooting the sky, something. Meanwhile, Jax and Sonya are looking for Kano, but holy shit, they're so stupid because he's right behind them. Aye, it's him, Jax cries. Only, fool you, it's a dream. Kano finds himself in the lavish bedroom from the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey with two sexy evil Sentai ladies. They fight until Raiden shows up and they fight. Raiden tells Kano a bedtime story about some evil guy who cares. I don't I don't care. I'm reading this. I don't give a shit. Uh, look, an ad for Rune Silver Surfer. I wish I was reading that instead. Holy shit. Anyway, Raiden and Kano go to the other world with evil sword and then Raiden's flying and he drops Kano and Raiden explodes the end so had any of you guys ever read this piece of crap before no I've never read it before you know what it was my favorite <laughs> it was my favorite I give you I give you two guesses of what my favorite part of this whole issue is and the first two don't count the Rune Silver Surfer ad I mentioned no no oh. go, go back a little further oh Two sexy evil ladies. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I, I was like, dude, they're like the the Dora Milaje of like Raiden's <laughs> like camp or whatever. Just these these two badass like hot katana looking like chicks or whatever. I thought that was great. I I don't know, like like you know what? I, normally like I you know I'm more leaning towards sci-fi. Like I don't particularly like fantasy, but it's like fantasy kung fu. Like I guess kind of. I don't know, something about that kind of works for me. I chuckled, like, about the dream, because it was like I was reading it, and when, like, 
you know, Jax is like all, oh, I'm scared, you know, and like, and like, and like, Sonya's like, oh, you're right, he is so strong, and all this shit, like, I was like, I've always been afraid of him, I was like, is this for real? Like, these, <laughs> these guys look like, like, pussy little bitches and stuff, and then, and then when it's a dream, I was like, ah, you totally got me, like, I totally fell for that, and that was great. And then, uh, you know, the the concept, I guess. I mean, I know you said like some of the beginning shit didn't make sense and it was hilarious, but but the the, the idea is it's supposed to be like a sword that's wielded by an evil man that rejects evil can kill, you know, the Shao Kahn or whatever, right. like the big bad guy. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a cool, you know. I mean, it, it, it's like one of those things where you're like, why the fuck would like? It, it basically, it's like it's like why the fuck would like Thor team up with with fucking like you know Carnage or something you know what I mean like why why would they team up and and then Thor's like well bro there's this old Nordic legend of this sword and you can like you can uh kill Thanos if you fucking you know reject serial killing and and be a good guy and then that explains why there's this like Thor carnage buddy comedy or whatever that is about to ensue and yes it's stupid as fuck but it's like one of these things where you're like but it, i don't know i was i was semi-entertained by it the art's pretty shitty like if we had had tom rainey on this like and 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 not on double dragon like it probably like if we had merged you know some of the better elements of both you know but but oddly i mean it's like kind of charmingly bad, I guess. Like, like I, 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 I mean, I'm laughing at what you said, but like, I kind of love like you're like, I don't know what the fuck's Raiden, Raiden is doing in the opening. Like, that's kind of fantastic. It's like, it's like, it's like they learned all the wrong lessons from all the wrong people in the night. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like they, they were, they were replicating everything to look K E W L cool and they succeeded and they succeeded so well that they reproduced all the flaws as well you know where you just it's like you had like three pages where you don't know what the fuck's going on basically the point is he got a sword out of a fucking purple cloud or whatever the fuck he did you know what i mean like so but i mean like I said, I mean, I, 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 for me, I gotta be honest, like the, the, this, I mean, it was, it was stupid, but I was like stupidly entertained. So I, I, I don't, um, I'm not throwing any tomatoes. I, I, I had fun with it, you know? So. I, I guess for me, uh, there was a couple things that, that like kind of bugged me with this. Uh, Derek put that in my head now with Sonya. It was like, they should have just like kept on rolling with it. It's like, he's so big and strong. And if he comes through that window, maybe I'll have to, Fight him with my vagina. Um, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? It's oh, almost crushing on him. And, and then, yeah, Jazz uh, Jax is like a big-ass bitch. He's like, oh, the big big man's going to kill me. That was funny. That was kind of funny, especially after you he wakes up and he realizes, oh, okay, this is how Kano thinks of his opponents, you know? He's like, you know, or thinks of himself more accurately. He thinks he's super awesome. I, I think where the wheels really fell off with me was like okay Kato wakes up and he's uh, confronted by the two hot sisters or whatever they, yeah they're sisters they they show him that they have abilities like magical abilities and he's like still trying to act tough and stuff and it's like okay all right all right fine whatever he he doesn't have a lot of uh, uh respect for women that's fine he's a bad guy 
I, I can I can see that. Then Raiden fucking shows up in a cloud of fucking uh, lightning and smoke and water and shit. And like he's like, but I got a knife. <laughs> and I'm like, are, are you really thinking this through? And then he stabs Raiden, and Raiden's like, are you done now? And then finally, Kano kind of like, you know, comes to the realization that he he's in a fight he can't win right now. Which begs the question, why does Raiden want this guy who is evil, technically, so, like I said, the, 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 the MacGuffin, the sword, if it's held by an evil man to do a good thing, they'll, you know, that it has more power or something like that. But, like, does it take into account that the bad guy is also pretty stupid? I don't know. That was just, uh, like, a weird plot hole for me. Then we get to the point, like you know, just said at the end of the comic, where uh, Raiden's flying Kano in to the uh, the the Outlands. You know, he gets attacked by Shao Kahn, and he blows the fuck up. Like that is like some fucking B movie bullshit right there. Like especially how big the explosion was. It was like, did that just happen? And and yeah, I don't know. It, it, like the art was pretty bad too. I, I think the biggest problem with the story is they had a good idea. Because the idea is kind of cool. It's like, you know, there's an evil sword, but, like, evil plus evil equals good somehow. You just got to figure out how to wiggle that around so it works. But the, I think the execution kind of got me. Like, whereas Double Dragon was bad, and I don't want to read it again, it was like, I at least got the pleasure of a fever dream. And, like, you know, it left me completely confused. This, I was just like, huh, okay. You know, it just, I don't know. It just, like... I, I will I will say it wasn't as bad as Double Dragon as far as like nonsensical, but I will say it was very I don't know almost bland. And with Kano and Raiden, you would not expect that for a story. You'd expect like you know a bigger deal. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I kind of agree with what you guys said. I don't think the art was that good. I think like Kano's face changes in every single panel. Like it is a good it is it is is a good concept. Yeah, like it's a weird pairing of characters and. I mean, this is in the nascent days of the franchise, so they hadn't exactly nailed down, like, you know, what Raiden and, you know, Kano were, you know, to a T at least. I mean, you know, obviously after the movie, like, Kano was suddenly Australian. So it's like, and, and this, it, I think it kind of says, like, he's Japanese or something, or he says he's from Japan, or he lived in Japan as a kid or something. So, like that that's kind of weird but uh i guess that's early installment weirdness or something that got changed because of the popularity of the movie portrayal but but yeah yeah i thought it was funny i think kano's one of those like dumb bad guys who like i don't know like even though like he might be compelling to like follow like if if he gets hurt you're like glad to see it basically you're glad when he's like a super dumbass and trying to still attack Raiden after Raiden's like, you know, you know, stop it, stop it. No, no, don't. Yeah. Like, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I had read this before, so I, I knew what to expect and I, I don't feel like any of these mortal combat like comics had exceptionally good art, but like, yeah, this one was just, I felt like, like Kano's face was all over the place, like in every panel. So, yeah, like I said back in that first video game episode, I always liked Mortal Kombat more than the other fighting games that were out at the time. So I bought a lot of these Malibu Mortal Kombat comics. I don't know. I guess I never learned my lesson because I just kind of kept 
buying them and reading them. And I, I think I eventually traded most of them away to other kids at school for better comics. But yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like data, you know, it's like, what did you think of this? It's revolting. Can I have some more? place like like i'm i'm I, i'm i'm sort of uh, i guess i'm more forgiving of these it was hong kong that they said he grew up in so i guess you could rationalize it i mean back then they, you could have said oh well it's a colony it you know it could have had i don't know english guys or australian guys or whatever i don't know but um yeah i mean his his, his gang is called black dragon that's pretty you know they're called the ang- the angry koalas, you know. <laughs> Watch out for those guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, uh, one thing I did want to add, Justin, uh, since it's, it's, you're you're a big fan of Mortal Kombat, like with it, like with all of our comics, even mine, like having you know like been released later, and even and even with uh, Mike's having various characters who who had stories and stuff like that. Mortal Kombat's got a pretty, like, even at this point, a pretty, like, fleshed-out story from the video games. Was it kind of frustrating that they they didn't seem to really use any of that? Except for, like, you know, Black Dragon stuff? I guess. I don't know. It always seemed... Back then, it seemed like Mortal Kombat, I don't know, continuity was always kind of tenuous at best because you had the games then you had two movies and then you had cartoon series and then i'm trying to think was it like 98 99 you had that live action series on tnt and i remember watching that and like each one of those incarnations that i just mentioned was like different you would have similar beats and you'd have you know raiden and sonya and most of these things and other characters but it's like they were each their own thing. They each had their own continuity. You know, Kano might be Australian in the movie, and in this, he's from Hong Kong. And in the cartoon, I don't know, he's, you know, from Venus, or I don't know. It's just the uh, ever-changing, like, aspect of this stuff was, I, I remember thinking that was kind of frustrating back in the day. Yeah, fair. There's uh guardian sisters or whatever do they ever appear in anything else aside from this i don't think so that's a damn shame (laughs) yeah i was gonna say they kind of seemed like you know one-off characters or original ones of the comic right what was this made 1995 is that right okay uh you you can like not correct me but uh, inform me justin uh, one of the one of the sisters is named Rain, but there's also a Rain in the uh, the games. Did this come out before that, or was the game first? I'm just wondering. Rain, the character in the games, would have been uh, later, I believe. Yeah, okay. like was it wasn't he like Mortal Kombat trilogy or like you know after they had done all three and then yeah. Okay. I w- okay. I was gonna say he was like in Mortal Kombat three, the, like the super special edition with like extra characters. But maybe I'm thinking of like a later edition of that. Oh, yeah. Somewhere like later. Yeah. Like one of the very last 2D ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a new Sabot and those guys you had to like unlock especially. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be nerdy, like, you know, um, it, it, can, it can still get a pass because like I think in this shoot, it's spelled like R-A-Y-N-E and like rain is just spelled like rain, like regular rain. So. 
Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I was like, well, there is actually actually a rain. <laughs> you know? This is the last time I'm bringing a Mortal Kombat comic to this show. Like, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. funny. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which, at this very moment, still prevails and could, at any time, lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi, folks. Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. that's going to wrap things up for tonight so if anybody has any comments questions and or concerns you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you want to check out the backlog of episodes of comics motherfucker do you read them you can go direct download them over at the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com we've got all of our other shows there as well we're on all kinds of social media. We're on the Tumblers, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks. So we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive there. And we can be streamed. We can be found over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is Derek signing off. Pause. It's Mike signing off. This is Justin signing off. Bye. And with your powers combined, I guess I'm double dragon. This is Tony. Help.
like cock block, cock block. <laughs> they were so jacket. they were so stupid. They were like, you know, they're in the middle of the enemy base and they're like, let us fight for Marion's love. Like I'm like, dude, you you still have an ongoing situation. Like, come on, like. It's like Billy, we need to get out of here. I know, but first, my dick's bigger. <laughs> Also, like, like I, I like how the sensei mentioned that they were fucking twin fucking brothers, and I'm like, in what fucking universe? <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Dude, we're twins. My hair's green, and his hair is orange. <laughs> what? I'm from England. He's from like the fucking you know Middle East. You know? Because, like, one dude's clearly Asian, and one dude's clearly a white dude. Like, wow. I, I thought they were supposed to be more like uh, Bo and Luke Duke or something. I don't know. All oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brothers from a different mother. But he does say twins. He says twins. Yeah, they, they say twins. It'd be like saying that the Dukes of Hazard were twins, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, true, yeah. Or like a cousin Vance and cousin whatever the other one's name oh, was. Oh, uh, Coy. Coy and Vance, yeah. Coy and Vance. Right now, Mike and Justin are like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Fuck <laughs> these old farts talking about. They're talking about. So confused. Let us old men enjoy our racist show. Shut up. <laughs> I'm more confused than I was when I was reading Atari Force. 